All right, good morning. It's a beautiful, snowing Buffalo morning. It's always interesting to see like the early snows of the year because people somehow forgot how to drive in the snow. It's like, oh no, there's snow. We only did this 10 months ago. How do we survive? So, yeah, it was uh, interesting. It was really interesting that we were driving. Some poor guy, I kind of felt bad for him. He spun out. So like half his van was sticking out of the ditch up there, like, you know, where the 90 meets the 190, that, that exit. So that kind of turn that, yeah, so he spun out there. He was okay. But everyone who saw it, all of a sudden, everyone slowed down. <laughs> it was like, oh, maybe we're going too fast. Uh, <laughs> interesting how we need such visceral reminders sometimes. So, yeah, we are in the middle of our Advent conspiracy, Right? And uh, we uh, we started with worship fully, and then we moved into spend less, and uh, then now we're going to be talking about give more, which seems a little weird, right? Why would you say spend less, but then give more? Don't we have to spend money to give more stuff? So of course, if you were with us last week, or if you heard the sermon online, you would you know hear about all the terrible things we do in order to spend more, because we think that's what we have to do is spend more. So today I want to talk a little bit about uh, being present. This is actually something that I struggle with myself. Uh, Normally when Emily asks me what I'm thinking, the answer could be any one of about 25 things. And uh, somewhere in there is where I happen to be in the moment with her, right? But a lot of the times, have, have you ever found yourself in the middle of a conversation that you're not really a part of anymore? Right? Like someone starts talking and you don't really care what it, what they're talking about. So you just kind of tune out. So you're looking at them and you're nodding your head. Right? But you're actually like, you're actually going, can the Bills still make the playoffs this year? <laughs> or uh, you're thinking, did I leave the oven on? <laughs> you know, or oh, I need to put gas in my car, or I need to, uh, you know, there's this one extra gift I wanted to get so-and-so, right? But what we're not doing is in the conversation at the moment, right? We're not doing that. So then they say something ridiculous, right? And then we go, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, sure, that's great. (laughs) And, And all of a sudden, a week goes by, and they're like, oh, I thought you were gonna bring your your casserole to this party, and you're like, there's a party? (laughs) Yeah, we talked about it, don't you remember? No. (laughs) I'm sorry, I wasn't in that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now you know what my conversations with Emily sound like. (laughs) Have you ever, (laughs) that's, you know, it's only funny because it's at least half true. Uh, so, oh, the face from Emily says mostly true. Uh, have you ever been a part of a conversation that you would do anything to escape? You're just thinking, you know, you're, you, the person's talking to you, and you know, so you're trying to be polite, but in your head you're thinking, dear God, how do I get away? <laughs> Is there, can, can I light myself on fire? Can I run? 
is there so is there a breaking news in the on the TV? Like, I, how do I get away? Right? Yeah. Um, it's funny, you know. I'm supposedly a people person, but I find myself thinking that a lot. Uh, we Christmas time is a potential to have a lot of those kinds of conversations, right? Relatives that you haven't seen in a long time, who think they know exactly how you should live your life, right? So then they'll tell you about all these things that you should do. They'll give you advice about things they don't understand, right? Like uh, they, the person who's um, the person who's never bought a certain thing you're looking to buy is trying to tell you how to do it, or a person who's never repaired anything in their life is trying to explain to you how to fix a window, right? Or a person, or a person who uh, hasn't talked to their kids in 15 years is talking to you about family togetherness, right? That's a tough one. But we, we're going to we're going to have those conversations in the next few weeks. Right? We're going to have family members who offer free, unsolicited advice. And we're probably going to find ourselves offering the same thing. Perhaps you're hearing the latest, the latest gossip, which is really like 10-year-old gossip. And, uh, you know, it's like the hundredth time you've heard about your wayward cousin and this horrible thing that they've done. I'm, right? Am, am I hitting some, hitting some bases here? <laughs> Stuff that happens in families, right? It's really tempting to just escape all of that and go inside of your own little bubble. You know, whatever it is that we like to do. Like, you know, I'm just going to go home and knit something. I'm going to go home and watch something explode on television. I'm going to go home and watch a football game. I'm going to go home and watch Hallmark movies till I can't, till I'm, you know, with a box of tissues to my right and uh, just chill out the rest of the day. Right. Yeah. Uh, Anything. I'm going to go home and watch paint dry. Anything other than some of these conversations. But you can rest assured that you care about these people. You care about these people more than you think you do. And so one of the tricky things we find ourselves doing is sometimes we buy them gifts, right? We go and spend 20 bucks on them at Target because we want to rest assured in our own heart that we've, we've given them what we should. Like, you know, I can ignore them. I bought them a gift. It's okay. And so what we're going to talk about today is something a little bit of a taller order. uh, Because that's what walking with Christ often is. How do we get out of this mindset? uh, These people that that we're not going to see very often, you know, that once once they leave us, you know, uh, after Christmas, we're not going to see them again for months. Maybe they'll comment on our Facebook page occasionally, but, you know, that's about it. What do we do? How do we get out of this mindset? So, as always, I'm going to say, let's go back and look at what God does, because he's our example. So, we just read John 1, 14 through 18. I want to look at the kind of gift Jesus was for us first. All right? 
Because we, a lot of times, we just want us, we want to use the birth of Jesus and we want to skip all the way over his whole life. All right, Jesus is born in the manger and then we want to skip all the way to the cross. And it's like the whole rest of that in the between didn't happen at all. Right? So he might as well have just come down out of the clouds and just walked up to the cross and died. A lot of times that's how we treat the gospel. So let's have a look. Let's go to Matthew 1, 18 through 25. It'll be up on the screen if you can't find it. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph... Now, okay, just stop for a second. She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Look, it would take something crazy for me to believe that my fiancé was with child through the Holy Spirit. I mean, think, put yourself in Joseph's position, if you can. Or put yourself in Mary's position. I, is it reasonable to believe that under normal circumstances? No. Okay, let's continue. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So sometimes people treat Jesus, Jesus Christ, they treat the Christ like it's his last name. Right? Like his parents were Mary Christ and Joseph Christ. Right. So that's not what it meant. Right? Christ is the Greek rendering of the Hebrew concept of a Messiah. Okay? So whenever you read Christ in the New Testament... It's Jesus the Messiah. It means anointed one. It's not his last name. Now the reason why that's important is because it's easy for us to kind of just skip over some of these things. We don't let it settle in. All right? But Jesus the Messiah, this is not something that God just made up on the fly. Right? He's not just hanging out in heaven watching the Jews kind of spiral down and get conquered by all these people and this isn't working out too good. So you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna do this right now. We're just gonna take care of it, right? We're gonna have our plan B, right? And so so God's gonna put on His human suit, and He's gonna pretend to be human, and save the world. That's not the gospel. That's not the story of what happened. Jesus is the promised Messiah. If you in verse twenty three, you'll notice. Matthew there is quoting a verse of Scripture. So we're going to go and read that because I just love doing this, actually. 
This is one of my favorite things to do. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 7. And uh, things aren't going too well for Israel at this time. They got a pretty terrible guy on the throne. His name is Ahaz. And he is one of the most evil kings in Israel's history, actually. And uh, Isaiah is the prophet at the time. And so Ahaz, he doesn't know what's going He's surrounded by his enemies, right? Because at this point, the land of Israel is kind of splintered. You have different factions fighting against different factions, okay? So Ahaz is surrounded. I want to go to verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Which is very strange coming from Ahaz, who's been worshipping other gods for most of his life. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Now, notice how he says house of David. Not house of Ahaz. House of David. We're going to get to that in a minute. Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary God also? So what is he saying? Like, oh, really? You're telling me now you're not going to put me to the test? Like, come on. Okay. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Verse 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So this is the verse Matthew's quoting. By the way, Whenever you read in the New Testament, if you read the Gospels and they quote a verse from the Old Testament, go back and read what they're quoting. In most Bibles, it'll annotate what it's saying. Because a lot of times, what the author is really trying to say is actually in the context of the verse he's quoting from the Old Testament. Okay? This is where, this is how we can avoid like reading through 21st century eyes when you read the Bible. So, so God is talking to Ahaz, and he says, I'll give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. So he's talking to the house of David here. So, so the sign God gives Ahaz, is it about the time he's in right then? No, it's not. He's talking about something in the future. Ahaz is in the middle of of a pretty bad situation, and God says, I'm casting out vision to the future that your house will not die. This goes back to a, another promise. Go to 2 Samuel with me. I know I'm having you jump around, but I just can't help myself. Sa 2 Samuel 7. 12. I don't remember if I gave this one to you or not. If I didn't, I do actually apologize and I do mean it. Yeah, you ever apologize and you don't really mean it? It's just like a reflex. Okay, no, I really am sorry about that one. Okay, 2 Samuel 7, 12. And it was told, king, and it was told to King David. Nope, I was reading 6, 12. Sorry, that's crazy. 7.12, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 12 and 13. 
So God, this is David wants to build God a house. God says, actually, I'm going to build you a house. And it's going to last forever. And so the promise of the Messiah isn't something that God just came up with out of nowhere. This has been in the works. Go back to, uh, we're going to go back in time a little farther. Genesis 3. Actually, this is one of the reasons why I like reading the Bible. You literally are like going back in time. It's pretty cool. Genesis 3. Right, now this is after Adam and Eve had sinned. They've decided that they would rather take the advice of a serpent than the person that made the serpent. That's never a good idea. Verse 16. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Nope. 3.15. My bad. I'm really off this morning. I will put enmity, he's talking to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Everyone say Proto-Evangelium. One more time. Proto-Evangelium. Okay. That means first gospel. Okay. So this is the first time we see the promise of the coming of the Messiah. Of the coming of the one who's going to fix our problem. Who's going to be with us. Okay. You can go forward through time in the history of Israel all through the Old Testament and you see this promise returning over and over and over and over again. The promise of Emmanuel. The promise of God with us. This is why Christianity is about Jesus and not necessarily about the teachings of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus are important to us, right? They're how we know what we said, we follow those things, but we follow them because we follow Jesus. Because he is God with us. Does that make sense? So this is the promise. We could go, we, we could spend all day in the Old Testament. Isaiah 61, Malachi 3, Ezekiel 37. We could go all through Israel's history. We could take little snapshots of each part of their history. In every one of those places, we see the promise of the Messiah. Sometimes we miss the Messiah because we're not looking for him. The Jews of the time weren't looking for God with us the way that God with us came. They're waiting for someone who looked like Herod, but not a bad guy and really powerful. Okay, that's what they were looking for. And what they got was a baby born to two peasants in a manger. A baby born, out, conceived out of wedlock to a person in her teens. How do you like that one? How many people in their, in their town do you think believed them when, if they said, <laughs> that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> zero. <laughs> yeah, zero. So think about that one. The Messiah is conceived, the, the Savior of the world, the Savior of Israel, conceived out of wedlock to a teenager. 
God doesn't think inside our boxes. So the Jewish leaders of the time, they were looking for something else. They weren't looking for a peasant born in a town just a few miles away. They were looking for the king of the Jews. And he, they thought he would look different. And so who comes to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews? The Magi. Foreigners. Uncircumcised Gentiles. They find Jesus in the manger. But the Jews who knew the scripture, when Herod was like, oh, who's this king of the Jews guy they're talking about? He went to the Jewish leaders and they quoted him a verse from Micah chapter 5. They knew who he was. They knew the scripture. And yet, who goes to the manger and gets on their knees? It's not the Jews. It's not the Jewish leaders. It's the shepherds, many of whom can't read, and the foreigners from about a thousand miles in the wrong direction. If we want to find God, we can. And if we don't, we'll miss him even if he's right under our nose the whole time. So one of the things that I really get out of reading this is that God seems more interested in giving people what they need than what they deserve. And I think this is a good thing for us to walk away with. Look, life isn't about deserves. I mean, I'm not that old, right? And I know that life just isn't about deserves. Deserves is kind of a subjective word. It's a word we decide based on our whatever we view as being just or right. Right? You, have di- you can go through the different societies in the world, they all have different standards of what's just and right, of what so-and-so deserves. In some parts of the world, they think it's just and right that women can't drive their cars. In other parts of the world, they don't. And so what you have is this weird conversation where our sub- where we, sometimes we point the finger at people where our subjective view of what is right or wrong is better than yours. And they're pointing the finger back at us. But without God involved in this, it's literally just a he said, she said thing. It's literally just an I say, you say thing. Because without the God of the universe who made us to say, well, okay, I made you to be this way, we have no standard. So a lot of times, we'll in our head decide how much of our attention another human being deserves. And then, once they've crossed the threshold, they don't get our attention anymore. We do it all the time. Because we have a tendency to live in this illusion of deserves. But the Bible isn't so much about give people what they deserve. 
It's really about give people what they need. God's not interested in making us pay for our sin. He's interested in helping us heal from our sin. So not only at Christmas time, but in life in general, we tend to be more focused on what people deserve than on what people need. Well, what happens when we spend time calculating in our head what people deserve? What do we make ourselves over them? Huh? Judge, it's judgmental. Judges. We put ourselves in judgment over them. You deserve X. You deserve Y. Well, why is that I said so? Now, we will wrap it in what we call holiness, right? But the bottom line is, I said so. I know after last week, you guys were probably like, maybe he'll be nicer this week. No. (laughs) Because the Holy Spirit does this to me too. He's never done. He's never done with me. He'll never be done with you. I promise. Thank God, right? It's, it's a good thing that God rarely agrees with me because then he would not be holy, right? Let's just put it that way. So we spend all this time thinking about what a person deserves and we make ourselves a judge over them. But if we think instead and we focus on what a person needs, then we make ourselves their servant. And that is God with us. Let's ditch thinking about what people deserve. And let's worry about what they need. God knew what we needed. Being someone's judge is really exhausting. I mean... Crazy exhausting. You're watching everything they do, and so then everything they do is somehow wrong. Especially if you don't like them. You know, they do one wrong thing that you don't approve of, right? Maybe 10 years ago, they they looked at your kid wrong, or uh, they said something about a political figure you don't like, and they voted for that person or whatever. And so then nothing they do is right from then on. And you have to spend your energy every year when you see them criticizing the way that they dress, the car that they drive. Maybe they gave their kids too many gifts for Christmas. Maybe they didn't give them enough, but they will never have given them the just right amount. Maybe the food tastes pretty good, but it could be better. Maybe the food was terrible, but it'll never be great, whatever they brought. Maybe the $25 they bought, they spent on you was enough. If you like them, if you don't like them, it's either not enough or too much. Judging people is exhausting. It's, we're not made for it. There's only one judge of people. And he can have that job as far as I'm concerned. Okay? Because it is taxing. What people deserve is irrelevant for our purposes. 
Because what matters is what Jesus has come to offer us all. Jesus has come to offer us a union of heaven and earth. Uh, some teenagers were asking me, what, why did Jesus... Uh, la- last week I did a, a little Q&A at a, at a youth group, and it was, there were a lot of good questions. And one of them was, why did God put Jesus in Mary's tummy? And so, I want you to picture Ridge Road and Abbott. Okay? Picture Ridge Road and Abbott. And Ridge Road is heaven, and Abbott is earth. And Jesus is the intersection between the two. That's why Jesus came as a baby. To unify heaven and earth together. And that's why we exist. To be little intersections of heaven and earth. Places where we can bring that into wherever we go. Jesus is our gift. You'll notice our gifts weren't superpowers. But superheroes are really popular right now. Now, I mean, I'm just talking out of, I do this too. I've been watching, I've been watching some superhero shows on the CW, right? It's like a superhero smorgasbord over there, every kind of superhero you could want. But they're really popular. So why didn't God give us superpowers, right? Why can't everyone be like Supergirl? That would be awesome. People flying all over the place. Why couldn't everyone be the Flash? Well, if you watch the Flash, you know why everyone shouldn't be the Flash. Why no one should be the Flash. But um, he didn't give us superpowers. He gave us himself instead. He embraced our death. He embraced our pain. He embraced all that. He embraced life with us. And he made us a part of himself. This is way bigger than anything we could hope for. He didn't just sit on his throne and be like, all right, you know what, we'll just give them a couple of things here or there. We'll give them some toys. You know, so-and-so can light something on fire. That should be cool. Uh, This guy can run at uh, the speed of sound. That should be interesting to watch. Uh, This guy can, this person can fly, and then we'll pick one person and give her all of those powers. Yeah, that's unfair, but who cares? Right. No, instead, he gave us himself, incarnated as the Son of God, and he gave us the Holy Spirit, which is still himself. So even as Jesus is God's gift to us, you are God's gift to the people you know. Say it one more time. Even as Jesus is God's gift to us, you are God's gift to the people you know. Do you ever hear that phrase, oh, oh, he thinks he's God's gift to humanity, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? You are. Congratulations. Thanks to the Holy Spirit, we all have the ability to have a promotion. And we can literally become a gift 
of the union of heaven and earth in the lives of the people that we know. And this is why being present matters. This is why I'm talking to myself right now, and Emily knows I'm talking to myself right now. This is why you can't tune out when your loved one is talking to you. Not only will you make that person feel like they don't matter at all, not only will you aggravate them, right? They will contemplate strangling you. But you're, think about it. You're, you'd rather be wherever else your mind is than in the moment with that person. We can't send that message. I can't send that message to my wife or the baby that's coming. This is, this is every bit as much a challenge for me too. Half the time Emily's, John, what are you thinking? And no joke. Huh. I wonder if the Hedron Collider is going to find a new particle. Or I wonder how Arrow is going to get out of that problem that I just watched. Or I wonder which Greek verb works in this particular, this, this is how I think. I've already given up on the bills. I don't think about them anymore. No offense. No offense. I'm done with them for a little while. Sean's going to hit me later. <laughs> if they win today, I'll change my mind. I'm a fair weather, I'm a fair weather fan. Right? I'm done with them until they win. Then they're wonderful. Boo. Yeah, okay, go ahead. If we are God's gift to the people we know, to the people we love, when we are not present, then we can't be that gift to the people we know. So I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. Oh, he hates that word. It's great. To be present. To just stop that swirl of mental jiu-jitsu you're doing. The 25,000 things. And just stop for a second and look a person in the eyes and listen to what they're saying. Now, it's true that you've probably heard how your uncle met your aunt about 150 times. Okay? I'm sure you have. You've heard it so many times, you could tell the story probably better than they can. It's okay. Guess what? 151 times will not kill you. And those moments when you hear that story for the 151st time and you see the look shared between your aunt and uncle, those moments come and they go. I can watch Arrow on Netflix. I can... I can put on my Xbox and watch The Flash anytime I want. But those moments between family, once they're gone, they're gone. That exact moment will never, will never resurface. You can't DVR that. We can't put it on Netflix. How many know how strange it is that we would rather watch 
a Hallmark special about someone else having a good time with their family than have a good time with our own family. That's upside down. You think other families don't have your problems? You're wrong. They do. Every family has problems. Be present. I'm almost finished. When Jesus was born, he didn't come from the clouds. He didn't pop up out of the earth. That would be really strange, right? Oh, here I am. He used people. He gave Joseph a vision. Notice, he didn't take over Joseph's brain and make him do what he wanted. He convinced Joseph yeah, this is legit. She's not making this up. This is a real thing. He knew what it would take. He let Joseph participate. He let Mary and Joseph raise his son. Think about that one for a second. Two peasants from ancient Israel raised the one who made the universe. It's a crazy, mind-bending, like, moment. God has more faith in people many times than we do. Well, maybe we should tap some of that. God has faith in you. Why do you think he called you? Do you think he called you just to sit in a pew, sing some songs, give some money? That's not who we are. He called you to be a gift to the people you know, to the people you love, to the people you touch. He's called us, right? He told the disciples, go into the world and preach the gospel, right? Jesus in the book of John breathes on the disciples at the end. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say, wait here and don't do anything for the rest of your lives and I'll do everything. He said, go. When you receive power and you, and you will be my witnesses. You are God's present to your people. All the people that you know. Be present. Give of yourself. Give of your laughter and of those jokes that, look, you think, you're, you think your aunt and uncle are the only people with jokes that everyone has heard? I promise you that's not true. My, my family members know all my jokes. They could probably tell them all. My sister-in-law, Megan, is funnier than me. She could probably tell all my jokes better than I do. She is. She's hilarious. She's like a, she's like a, a one-liner vending machine. You just, stick, you just stick money in there, one-liner pops out. Hilarious woman. You are God's present to the people you know. Don't let that go. It is precious. God has faith in you. That's why he's put you where he's put you. To be Jesus to those people. Right? They don't need us to be their Santa Claus. They need us to be Jesus to them. So let's do that.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you that you love us, that you have not uh, abandoned us, but that you have come to be a part of our lives and a part of our everything. And Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we go, that you would be in these conversations we have with our family members, that you could give us grace to be present, to look them in the eyes and genuinely care about their lives and what's going on with them. And God, we pray you would make us you to them. In your name, amen. All right, God bless you. Grab, uh, there are pamphlets for the Advent Conspiracy on your way out. There are also spiritual formation seats at the Tower of Knowledge Power. God bless you. See you next week.